Talk West, podcast on marketing and advertising brought to you by Walk West, where we take the conversation in a new direction. Every episode, we'll be diving into the latest topics and trends in advertising, marketing, design, and more. I'm your host, Chris Bunn, and I'm joined by the Director of Marketing at Walk West, Mike Manganillo. What's up, Mike? I'm great, Chris. I'm excited to be back in the podcast game. Been, uh, been off for about six months now, so I'm uh, getting ready, everybody, for my awful voice you get to listen to on a weekly basis. <laughs> we'll shake the rust. We'll shake the rust. <laughs> We've got a great show for you today. We'll be breaking down some of the standout Super Bowl commercials and uh, whether or not they were actually effective. We've got an interview with Nick Fulton, the Director of Growth and Innovation at the Rams Club. Uh, I'm super stoked to learn more about their strategies for marketing with one of the premier athletic brands in the country. And finally, we'll end with a game of taglines. What's that, you ask? Well, stick around to find out. First up, let's talk about our ads of the week, Super Bowl edition. Yes. So we've got you know, four or five ads we're going to go through, uh, just some interesting talking points to hit here. First up, let's talk about the Google Assistant. It was basically the first like 10 minutes of up, but in a commercial. <laughs> you know, A man uses Google Assistant to kind of remember the small details of his late wife. Uh, honestly, devastatingly sad. Mm-hmm. So, Mike... What makes these tearjerker ads so effective? I think showing emotion, getting people to react in a way that they're not ready to react to. I mean, I watched a lot of the ads prior to the actual show because like most people watching Super Bowl, the groups of people don't actually get to see the ads. So I kind of knew going into it, that would be a tearjerker. And I was in a room full of people and I will say 50% of them did end up crying. I, I appreciate Google does put out good ads. The one thing I thought was interesting is smart about them is there's been so many privacy issues and security issues when it comes to voice activated systems like Google Assistant. And I think they did a good job of spinning it in a positive and using it in a way for somebody that is struggling with remembering things and being able to use it for him to bring up memories of his past wife. So I think they took a really good angle and was ranked in one of the top couple of ads for Super Bowl this year. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point. Like, it's such a touchy subject, these devices that are effectively in your home listening all the time. And like, for some people, like that security is, is a very, it's a very sensitive issue. And so they were able to, to put that spin on it to show that like, it, it has a lot of benefits. As yeah, well. and I think in contrast, the ad for Alexa, you know, mm-hmm. that had Ellen, the comical way they took about it, which I thought was really funny and really well done about how people in the past use Alexa, I thought was really smart. You know, I think it was like one of those things that we use on a daily basis. And what was it like in the 1800s of using Alexa? It's funny to look back at some old movies and old TV shows and things like that, where they don't have the integrated technology that we have. Yeah. Because there are so many plot lines that would be solved if they just had like a cell phone. And so to see Alexa (laughs) in like that context was kind of funny. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, it's scary. And um, how much it, we rely on it. Yeah, it really it really is. It changed. Thinks my kids think Alexa is part of our house. Um, I love the effect, effectiveness of this ad because in a world where every commercial is loud and, and distracting and trying to get your attention, they kind of zigged where everyone else zagged. They went yep. slow with this yep. like, nice piano build. It's quiet. And there's something to be said for that because everyone that we were watching with stopped and watch that ad. Yeah. You know, if it was like, for example, um, I think TurboTax had like a dancing ad yeah. or something like that. No one's paying attention to that because it's just another ad. But Google stops. They break what was effectively the status quo, which is just lights, noises, and sound, and says, pay attention to this. This is yeah. serious. And they did it with, without using celebrities or humor. Yeah. Which is, is what goes through a bunch of ads, kind of the 
the crossover from most advertisers used during the Super Bowl to get your attention. Yeah, another ad that actually didn't rely on that. I mean, they kind of did in a way, in a much more real way, was Budweiser in their typical American ad. Uh, This ad was written from the perspective of someone talking down on the quote-unquote typical American, but cut with B-roll of inspirational moments. Like, for example, there's one cut of a military son surprising his father with his return uh, at his office, and then the dialogue overlaid with that is typical Americans always showing up uninvited. So, you know, it's tongue-in-cheek prose. But what did you think of this turn for Budweiser, who for years, their Clydesdale horses were the staple of their ads? They always try to make a stance. And I think within the political season we're in, you know, I think the term typical American gets thrown out a lot more than it has in the past. I appreciate them getting away from the Clydesdales. I think they've personally run its course. I think for Budweiser, it's good to go back to the roots of an American beer. Over the last couple of years, they've been trying to go at the uh, craft brewing, which is ironic because they probably own 50% of craft breweries out there in some essence. So, I mean, I think it was smart for them to do it. I mean, personally, it didn't affect me. I will probably never go buy Budweiser because of it. It's funny, though. The one day a year I will drink a Budweiser is on July 4th to (laughs) celebrate America. But other than that, I feel like it's just not, you know, it's not going to change my, you know, buying habits. Yeah, that's a good point because I feel like if you're a drinker of Budweiser, that ad probably did nothing to say like, oh, I'm definitely going to keep drinking Budweiser. Yeah. If you're not a drinker, I don't really think anything about that ad convinced you to say like, oh, I am going to go and drink Budweiser now. I'm going to give up my craft IPAs and go switch to Budweiser. Because I feel like beer drinkers are effectively there for for their taste or like their ABV or something like they have their type. Yep. So, you know, a wise man once said that war is not always about fighting to gain, but but fighting to keep. And I feel like that was kind of the essence of that ad. It was yep. about fighting just to keep their base and reinstall, like, this is who we are as a brand. This is just reemphasizing that. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think it's always funny how within the brand of Budweiser, you have Bud Light, who took a completely different tact by using Post Malone and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Bud Light Seltzer. Yeah, or the Game of Thrones one. Or the Game of Thrones one yeah. and stuff like that. So, I mean, overall, I think they do always do a good job. I think hammering down the American beer, like, I'm all for it. Yeah, I get it. But speaking of those celebrities that we talked about, I think this might have been my favorite ad, Jeep's Groundhog Day. I think it was ranked the best ad of the year. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a sucker for Bill Moore. Right? Who is He's it? great, you know. <laughs> Who um, is it? He reprises his role as Phil in the iconic and surprisingly sad movie, Groundhog Day, for this Jeep ad. Question, should they make a sequel to Groundhog Day based on I think on they need to. Right? I mean, why not? I mean, was it 20 years old now? Yeah. I feel like they've always made a sequel to every movie out there. However, do you think they should make a sequel to... Or not a sequel, but another Caddyshack. Ooh. I, I, Should we go to Caddyshack 3? Gosh, no, I'm good. You're I'm good? good? I'm good. We did, we did the sequel. We're good. Let's do Groundhog Day. Because like, that's a that's a cathartic and deep movie. Yeah. And I, I'm in for that that novel. Because it's also a concept that wasn't really tried again. Yeah. You know? Like him stu- I mean, Freaky Friday is its own thing. Like, it's a weird <laughs> spin on that. But like, I like the Groundhog Day perspective. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the two or three things I appreciated about this. One, they didn't leak the ad early. I mean, mm. like I, as I mentioned, I try to watch every ad before and there was no mention, hmm. no kind of teaser. So I think everybody was kind of surprised. Two, there was always this mystique of Bill Murray and what kind of came out of that were the stories about how they got him. Yeah. And I think they basically got him a couple of weeks before the game because like, Supposedly, there's just one phone number for him, and he may not may or may not return your phone call. Wow. There's a whole story about how they got him. And then three, I thought it was interesting about, because the game was on Groundhog's Day. So oh, from yeah. an insight and strategic standpoint, 
they played off the essence of Groundhog's Day versus the Super Bowl, which I thought was really smart. I love that. Yeah. And then, but you know, but then I argue is like, how does that drive back to Jeep? I don't know. But and that's the thing that we'll talk about with our next ad. But I want to bring it up here as well. Could you remember what car that ad was for? Because everyone takes yeah. away it's Bill Murray Bill and Groundhog Murray. Day. Yeah. But you, you know it's kind of a Jeep brand, but I bet you couldn't tell me what car it's for. Yeah. And it's also a little off-brand for them, a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's like Jeep, rugged, truck. Bill Murray's, in my mind, not the face of that. But I thought it was still a good ad. Stands out. Something we'll probably always remember. Yeah. And I think remembrance is probably one of the crucial aspects of any of these ads. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk about that a little bit more with, with this ad uh, from Hyundai, the Smart Pack. Uh, John Grzynski, Chris Evans, and Rachel Dratch of SNL and uh, David Ortiz went Wicked Boston for this ad on Hyundai's uh, Smart Park feature. Uh, spoiler alert, they have accents. And <laughs> it, it was probably uh, maybe the most quotable ad. Yeah. But the other thing, like we just talked about with the Jeep, I, I bet you couldn't name me what car it was for. Probably not. Because like uh, they, they highlight the feature, but not the car. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. and that's difficult because a lot of those cars kind of all do sound the same. Um, I'll say it's probably the funniest ad that I saw there in it. Really? I think with the accents. Yeah. And honestly, I think of the showing the feature was pretty cool. You know, I think it was like really cool to kind of see it happen and their reaction to it. I personally really liked it. That was one of those things that they teased out in advance. So I think everybody knew it was happening. I've still seen it on television. So I think they're still yeah. playing it. But it's a feature that you look back and like, oh my God, it's scary that you can literally get out of your car and press a button and the car parks itself. I love the feature. I wondered if it was a little bit too much of a gamble to go so heavy on like a Boston Boston thing. Yeah, Yeah, because like there are a lot of people up there who just have negative feelings towards Boston, whether it's for like sports reasons or other things like Boston is kind of a divisive city. And so it seemed like an odd accent to pick on for that. Uh, Like I get it. Smart pocket. It's like a whole thing. And they're probably the only people that would say that uniquely. And you could also argue that I think maybe the, the mix of actors and actresses they had yeah. were a little like, I, mean, I feel like it was a Chris Evans was in there. Yeah. A little random in my mind, you know? Yeah, the Boston people. But yeah. yeah. I would have liked to see more David Ortiz. I know. <laughs> Too much. Yeah. What do you think this ad would have been like if it was, you know, a Southern accent? Ah, I don't know. I mean, that's a good question. Uh, excuse me, sir. Uh, you can't park yeah, here. Yeah, I think they would not have gotten the same reaction probably. Yeah. Because yeah. again, back to the political, like I think people are ultra sensitive. Yeah. And I think once you start to go down that road of a southern accent, then people's perceptions might change. It's so, so hard. It's probably a smart thing they didn't. Yeah, that's true. Well, because it's so hard to pull off like a southern accent in like TV or movies without it coming across as like stereotypical. 100%. Yeah. Um, Mountain Dew. They did a shining uh, ad campaign with uh, Brian Cranston playing Jack Torrance from the iconic uh, movie. He was basically doing Jack Nicholson's performance. Uh, and for some reason, this is a Mountain Dew Zero Sugar ad. Why? I didn't yeah. get this one. They also used the girl from Blackish, right? Yeah, Tracy Ellis Ross. Yeah. Uh, basically just there to get paid, honestly. <laughs> so I, at first, it's funny. At first, I, I, I really liked it because I love Brian Cranston. I think he's a good actor. Mm-hmm. Breaking Bad. I enjoy The Shining. But then, as we were prepping for this, actually, I thought about it like, I think for the audience they're going after, it makes zero sense. Yeah. Right? Think of the people who are actually drinking Mountain Dew. How likely are they going to know who Brian Cranston is? Maybe from Breaking Bad, maybe not, but what The Shining is. Yeah, yeah. You look back at it, like what they're portraying or what they're doing it has nothing to do with Mountain Dew. Yeah. They're not like selling that, the that last scene with all kind of coming in. I get it from The Shining, but it's like 
very off brand for me. It was like the director wanted to make The Shining with Brian Cranston and was like, well, the only way I can do that is if Mountain Dew gives me money for a commercial. You that's know? it. And that's what they did. They were like, I'll just throw a Mountain Dew bottle in there and boom, we're done. Yeah. All right. Next up, we're going to have an interview with Nick Fulton, the director of growth and innovation from the Rams Club. We are now joined by Nick Fulton, the director of growth and innovation at the Rams Club, the athletic fundraising arm of the University of North Carolina. Thanks for joining us, Nick. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so... um I work at the Rams Club, which is, like you mentioned, the fundraising arm for Carolina Athletics. I actually grew up in Minnesota uh, and went to school at Wisconsin where I swam. And about my junior year of college, decided that I wanted to go into athletics administration and didn't have any idea what that meant, but figure out a way that I could give back and make sure that people who are student athletes in high school and want to continue their career in college have an ability to do that. And so coming to Carolina for grad school was a great opportunity for me to get involved from a sport administration standpoint. And then getting involved with the Rams Club was really that opportunity to be involved with something that's giving back to uh, to those, you know, to make sure that there are opportunities for future student athletes, which is really um, an incredible experience and a life-changing experience for hundreds of thousands of kids across the country every single year. Yeah, UNC is one of the most famous athletic brands, but it's sure to present some unique strategies and difficulties around raising money for that. What are some of those? Yeah, I mean, it's it's ironic because of that great brand recognition that one of our biggest challenges is that people don't know the needs that we have. And so when you go out and talk with people about the fact that we really need to really work really hard every single year to make sure that we can continue to pay for the scholarships for student athletes each year, they're very surprised. It's um, it's something when you're removed from it or if you're the Carolina fan who lives in California who may never come to Chapel Hill but still watches every single game, you're just thinking, this is the greatest, you know, that's the best school in the world. They're great at everything and they must have all the money in the world. When in reality, you know, we, again, need to work really um, hard and we're really fortunate to have as many people supporting us as we do. But it is, it's something that the need is not very apparent if you're not in it every day. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the challenges from our standpoint is that communication out of here's the need you know, here's how you can impact that need, whether it's a hundred dollars or whether it's, you know, $10,000. Right. I mean, North Carolina is obviously one of the premier basketball schools in the country. Maybe this year's difficult, but (laughs) it's a tough year, but (laughs) everyone's got their down years, but the brand is strong, obviously, but North Carolina belief has 28 sports. Is that correct? 28 sports. So you've got two sports between football and basketball trying to do the lion's share of the promotion. How difficult is that to you know, market to your other donors and say, like, I understand you want to help basketball, but we also have needs elsewhere. Yeah. So one of the things that makes it a lot easier is the unbelievable success of all of our Olympic sport programs. So you're talking about a women's soccer program who has basically a million national championships. You've got a field hockey team that has been to something like 10 of the last 10 final fours, a women's lacrosse team who's successful. So you've got so much success that's pervasive throughout the university that at least people are understanding of, oh yeah, I know about those programs and I've heard about those programs and I want, and being um, a school that has one of the most athletic programs in the country, 
that's important to us and that's important to our supporters. Right. Um, so I'm talking about ways that it's easy to, to communicate that. But the way that we've structured it is so that Rams Club members support all the programs. So there are some schools who have set up their fundraising efforts around specific sport programs. So if you are a fan of basketball, if you're a fan of field hockey or whatever, you're able to direct your money to that area. Whereas we've been a little bit more high level in the sense of when you join the Rams Club, that money is going toward supporting the student athlete scholarships and opportunities throughout the department. Another thing that makes it a little bit even easier message is just the fact that that is the way that we've been doing it. A lot of the things that we've always been doing is some of the things that make have made it easier to continue in a good way of like we have been doing these things for a really long time. So our donors and fans and supporters are used to those things. And then there's other things that we've been doing for a long way that we need to think about a little bit differently so that we can continue to grow and, and challenge ourselves to, to continue to push our success to new levels. What are some of those things that you have done consistently over time that you think have been really successful for you? Yeah. So one of the uh, great foresights that the people who started the Rams Club had was that having an endowment would be really important to sustain success. And so we have, we're so fortunate to have the largest endowment of any public athletic department. And so what that offers is essentially a amount of money that, I mean, our endowment is about $250 million, which means that you know, you're essentially able to get 12 million or so that can go directly to, to student athlete scholarships each and every year. And so that foresight to set that endowment up was brilliant and has allowed for us to do a lot of other things. And so that's one of the things that we've, that's, we've always done. The other is talking about how important it is to have a broad-based sport program. Um, and then the other, I would say one of the other ones that again is a byproduct of having great students and a great university, but we've had unbelievably intelligent and accomplished student athletes, both while they're in school and once they leave. So I would say that's one of the threads that has run throughout the history of Carolina athletics. Yeah, it's a built-in benefit of North Carolina being one yeah. of the best public schools in the country and being one of the best athletic programs yeah. uh, around. Can you talk about your association with the school or the athletic department? Are you kind of a, is Rams Club a separate entity? The Rams Club is a separate entity from the athletic department, technically. Really, what that means on a day-to-day -day basis is not that much. We're in the same building as the, as the athletic department, and we work really, really closely with them. We also work really closely with University Development, who's responsible for a lot of the other fundraising efforts that go on on campus and with all the other schools and units. So from a practicality standpoint, it doesn't feel like we are a separate entity, but really it feels like we are one in the same with the athletic department, even though we are technically And is that a typical with entity. other schools as well? It's a, it's a, I would say it's not uncommon, yeah. um, but it's not, uh, wouldn't be the majority. I'd say there's probably another 20 to 25 schools who have a similar setup where the athletic fundraising unit is private and separate from the athletic department. Got it. Most of them are at bigger, at some of the bigger uh, power five schools. How important is it for you guys to stay on top of the latest trends in marketing to keep up with a lot of the other schools? Because I'm sure it's an extremely competitive market. Marketing for athletics is a really interesting thing because, you know, we're in an unbelievably great market in the triangle. We've got State, we've got Wake, we've got Duke, NCCU. I mean, we have a ton of, we got Elon, all of these high point, all of these Division One schools. We're not really competing for each other's fans. So it's a unique spot to be in. Now, I will say the Triangle being an area that is a destination for a lot of people, you know, with the number of people who are moving to the area, 
that's changing things a little bit where, you know, the family who moves to Durham, there's a window there that we have an opportunity to say, hey, come check out the heels before Duke says, hey, come to a football game um, where we can maybe capture some new fans. But people who have been in the triangle and like college sports pretty much made up their mind. So then it's more about the marketing becomes it's not really an awareness thing, but it is an education thing of what our needs are. And it's also an exposure thing of making sure that we're in front of them in a way that we haven't really been before. So making sure that we are demonstrating the impact that Rams Club members have with our student athletes each year and making sure they know the needs and all of those kinds of things where it's not, hey, we're the Rams Club, we're Carolina Athletics. Let me tell you a little bit about the fact that we've got a basketball team and a football team. That's right. pretty well known, mm-hmm. but it's it's the awareness from the fundraising and the development side that that is something that we really haven't done much of. Again, mostly because of the fact that we've been the beneficiary of great support throughout the years. But as costs continue to rise and as the needs do not continue to go down, we need to find out ways to grow our supporter base. I never really thought about like the the transplant angle. I mean, this I is know, an, it's actually really interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's an area where so many people move down to. You know, I, I was born and raised in North Carolina, and so like you kind of grow up in it. Yep. And then when you see people come down, they don't really have an allegiance, and so the, I never thought about that being like a new customer market. Yeah. Well, you were saying you're a St. John's fan. Yep. But it's not as though you know you're not going to go to a St. John's game on a Wednesday. But you might come to a Carolina game if, if they've done a good job of educating you or working really closely with you. or um, you know, the uh, <laughs> well, So there is an opportunity there to be almost a secondary fan yeah. from a college standpoint because it is something fun to do with friends or with your family. Well, I mean, to your point, I mean, this is kind of the hotbed of college athletics. So, yeah, people coming down from New York. And I think I got lucky because my wife is a Tar Heel. So <laughs> I didn't have to make that decision. But uh, it is kind of like built into you coming down. You basically, I've heard you have a year to choose what school you want to support. Right. Everybody's got to support a school and have an alliance with somebody in this area. So if I wasn't had an association to the Tar Heels, yeah, I mean that's that's a choice that you're up you have to you have to make. Right. Yeah. I've got a friend from Syracuse who moved down here a few years ago and like his sons are really big into lacrosse. And so he, instead of picking like a school to follow, they'll go around to like, you know, Carolina obviously has a great lacrosse program, Duke yeah. has a good lacrosse program, and they'll go to all the games, they'll like get involved in the communities on both sides. And I don't necessarily think of that as like an opportunity for, say, a school to market to them, but it is. You know, mm-hmm. it's an opportunity to get them, you know, into their ecosystem, learn more about the school. And it's an opportunity to really build up the community for people who did not grow up in it and were like ingrained on like one yeah. side of a rivalry or something. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the challenge from a marketing standpoint is going back to your question about what how we've handled things in the past has been we have spent most of our time talking about and pretty inwardly in a good way because we were really talking to the people who already know us really well about the impact and about how big of an impact they have on the current student athletes. But now we're at a point where we recognize we need to get some other people in the door. And in order to get in the people into the door, you may have to think creatively about things you could offer. So do we do something that is lacrosse? You know, we might have something from a marketing standpoint that is much less heavy on the actual Carolina side of things, but it's heavier on the lacrosse side of things and say, Hey, if you know, it still might require just making this up, but it might require you join the Rams club to get access to this series of events with lacrosse. Mm -hmm. Um, But it might not be a Carolina pitch. And, you know, those are the types of things that we're starting to think about and bat around. And we have no, by no means figured it out, 
But I do think that's a great opportunity and might be unique to this area, but I think uh, it's definitely applicable outside of Carolina too. For our listeners who might not understand why it's called the Rams Club, can you explain how you got to the, to the name Rams? Yeah, I can try. There was a football player named Jack Merritt in 1924 who played for the Tar Heels, and his nickname was the Battering Ram. It came to be that we actually had a live Ram that ended up being at a lot of the football games. And so out of that whole process, the Ram became associated with the Tar Heels, which you know makes sense now because we don't have a Tar Heel walking around. We've got Ramesses and we have JR, uh, who's Ramesses' little brother, son. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so that's how the Ram name became associated with it. And the Rams Club adopted that as, a, as just a part of the name at that point. Can you see who the most famous Ram Club member is? Or is that information you cannot share? So, I mean, it's, uh, I would say that we have some very prominent former student athletes as members, and most of our coaches are members. So they're very prominent. You know, I don't think Coach Williams would mind me sharing that he's a Rams Club oh, member. There you go. And so, I mean, we, there are, we're really, really fortunate to have a lot of really great supporters of Carolina who, Definitely support campus side of things. So if you walk around and see a building named after someone, there's a pretty decent chance that they're a supporter of athletics too and, and vice versa too. So someone who has their name on an athletics facility, we have such a good culture of development and, and really of supporting what the university does that there's a good likelihood that they're a big supporter of the university as well. That's great. What are some other upcoming things you have going on in the Rams Club in the next year or two? So I mentioned that we're really focused on membership growth and going into the university campaign, which is essentially a seven-year focused effort on fundraising. The Rams Club has a specific portion of that of that campaign that, that we've committed to raising X number of funds for these projects and to support these efforts. What's unique about our part of the campaign this year, which is something we've never done before, is we committed to wanting to grow our membership to 22,000 by 2022. And so as a part of those efforts, we are really thinking very differently than we ever have from a membership growth standpoint. So we've been around you know, somewhere between fourteen and 15,000 members for the last probably five to seven years, um, which has been unbelievable. But we know that for the future, we need to grow that group. In addition to needing to grow that group, we know there are so many different ways that we are not telling our message to people and people who are really receptive to it, but we're just not out there telling them uh, and being in front of them where they are. And so we know that separate from the 22,000 effort, we know we need to just be out and educating and talking about what the Rams Club is doing and supporting. So a lot of what the team that I'm on focuses on is how do we tell that message? How do we get in front of more people, whether it's on their phones or on their newsfeed or in their email inbox um, or in person at an event or whatever it might be. But how do we figure out a way to get in front of these people who are all of these Carolina fans? You know, we have a Facebook page. Carolina Athletics has a Facebook page with over a million followers, a million wow. likes. So there are people who are listen, who will be willing to listen. Yeah. It's just about finding the right message and finding the right way to get in front of them. Um, and so all of the things that go into figuring out how to do that is what's going on in the Rams Club for the next, at least the next two years and hopefully much longer uh, in the future. It's exciting. Yeah. yeah. Last question. Is the ceiling, in fact, the roof? <laughs> it is. <laughs> there are uh, a lot of architectural studies that now have shown that that is true. And that is, um, yeah, that is one of the most impactful statements ever made. I loved how 
like the university just adopted it. Yeah, like, it, yeah. Immediately, it was, yeah. it was everything. It was yeah. immediate. Yeah, and and being there, so I was I was there during um, when Jordan made that comment, and I, I mean, people were already clapping and excited about the you know about what he was talking about, and so when he said it, I think people just were continuing to clap, and that it was there was definitely a delay in like people thinking, wait, hold on, <laughs> yeah. and then people were like, yeah, all right, great, that's awesome. Yeah. That probably, in a nutshell, exhibits how cool of a place Carolina is. Yeah, that you can make something like that work, yeah. and it takes, and people adopt it because people love the love the school, and uh, it's a really fun place to be. And we're really fortunate to have the supporters we do. That, and you have your own sky color. Where could everybody go to uh, donate? So if you go to ramsclub.com, that's uh, ramsclub.com slash join is where you can really learn more about the different levels of the Rams Club and the different benefits and things that the Rams Club membership offers. Uh, and ramsclub.com has a lot of uh, other information about some cool stories with our student athletes and the other projects and efforts that we've got going on as part of this campaign. Great. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. All right, now for our next block, we're going to be talking taglines. In this game, we're going to pit two contestants against each other to see who can guess the most brands going only off of their tagline. The winner gets eternal bragging rights, and the loser gets a scarlet letter. We'll put one minute on the clock, and if you don't know it, you can pass. Otherwise, you can guess as many times as you want, but that will cost you time. Our first contestant is Hannah Ratcliffe of Walk West. Hannah, welcome. Hi, thank you. Uh, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, so I just moved here from Rhode Island. I've only been in North Carolina for about a month now, and I've only been working at Walk West for a week. <laughs> so this could either boost my reputation or ruin it. <laughs> what is your prediction of how many you're going to get right in a minute? Oh, my goodness. Um, I'm going to shoot low <laughs> and say five. <laughs> Ooh, okay. That's a good one. Yeah. Always aim low. I like it. I'll start, and then we can uh, we'll hit the ball rolling. Shave time, shave money. Gillette. You can't pass if you don't know it. That's pass. not correct. There's some things money can't buy. Pass. Melts in your mouth, not in your hands. Chocolate. Close. <laughs> Hershey's. Uh, okay, pass. A uh, diamond is forever. Swords. Oh, I, I see you're going with it, but no. No. Okay, <laughs> no. right, pass. All right. Uh, tastes so good, cats ask for it by name. Cat meow. I'll give you that meow. one. Give me meow mix. It. Got it. Can you hear me now? Oh, uh, Sprint, Verizon. There you go. Okay. Just do it. Ooh. Uh, Nike. Uh, oh, I'll get that one we'll too. Get that. Three. Not bad. Three. Some of them are tough. There. Yeah. yeah. We'll see how you do against Susie, our next competitor. Yeah. <laughs> All right, our next contestant is Susie Clark. Susie, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello. So I'm an account executive with Walk West. I'm a South Carolina grad. Um, I've been with Walk West for a little over six months, and I am incredibly nervous based on some of the feedback <laughs> for this game. Are you going to beat Hannah? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> All right, we got a minute on the clock, and we will start now. Think. Pass. Think different. Pass. Because you're worth it. Uh, 
Secret. Uh, pass. Got milk? No. <laughs> there is actually milk a brand campaign. associated with it. Yeah. This is a tough one. It is a tough one. Pet? Is it repeat? Whatever. No? Okay, pass. <laughs> Designed for driving pleasure. Mm, pass. The quicker picker upper. Swiffer. Ooh. Keep mm. trying. Uh, quicker picker upper. Pass. Why? Bet you can't eat just one. Pringle? No. Close. Right track. Yeah, it's a chip brand. Uh, Lay's. Ooh, oh, you got it. under the buzzer. You got it. That all was rough. Of, all of one. That was rough. <laughs> yeah. Well, Hannah crushed me. Yeah, it's hard, right? Who's up next? Megan and Shanice. I'm getting them right now. So our first contestant here is Megan Hockaday. Introduce yourself to our audience, please. Hey, everyone. I'm Megan Hockaday. I am a content strategist here at Walk West, and I'm terrified of this game. <laughs> <laughs> how many? What's your prediction of how many get right? How many are you asking? It depends. As many as you can get as to. Many, I'm going to say I'll tie with Hannah for three. Ooh, okay. okay. All right. But that's a pretty confident Yes, so we'll I mean, see what happens. To be fair, Hannah guessed five, and she only got three. Okay. So I tend to talk big game, so we'll see <laughs> how this goes. <laughs> All right, we've got a minute on the clock, and I'll start. I'm loving it. McDonald's. Imagination at work. Imagination at work. Oh, my gosh. See, the worst is, like, in another scenario, I could probably guess what this is. Is it Pixar? Nope. Am I close? No. Even in the realm? <laughs> you can pass. Yeah. Taking up a lot of time. Work. Is it a car company? Can I get clues? <laughs> can I phone in the Dang it, you guys. You got 30 seconds. Imagination works. It's not going to pass. Do you know what it is? It's not going to pass. I'm not because I'm too stubborn. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm way too stubborn. <laughs> 20 seconds. It's around you. It's always around you. Always on. Is it like some kind of... Wi-Fi telephone <laughs> situation. AT&T? That's not AT&T. This is wild. Okay, pass. Uh, like a good neighbor. State Farm is there. State Maybe Farm. she's born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline. Yep. <laughs> you got three. three. You got three. Oh, man. 50 seconds on General Electric. Three. General Electric, yeah. dang it. Three out of four, though. That's like a really high yeah. percentage. I almost said General Motors, Ooh. and I was like, that's not what it is. So I, I would have so. been very close. That was wild. All right, Shanice, you ready? Do it. All right, Shanice, you got one minute on the board. Uh, please introduce yourself to our audience. Hey, everybody. My name is Shanice Jarman. I'm the senior account executive here. Shanice, you can. You need to beat uh, Megan, who just got three. Are you going to do that? Um, we'll see. I, I I tend to fold under pressure, so. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Just don't take 45 seconds on one. <laughs> I, can do it. I think you'll be, you'll be good. No, my skip game is on lock. <laughs> skip game is on lock. All right. <laughs> Love that. All right. Got a minute on the clock, and I'll start. Impossible is nothing. Pass. It's, it's time to play. Pass. Expect more, pay less. Pay less. Nope. Keep guessing if you want. Pass. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the go. Pass. Live Moss. Oh, shoot. It sounds like a cantina. Um, Moe's? No. Um, pass, pass, pass. Never stop exploring. Discovery Channel. Pass. What's in your wallet? Chase. Oh, Close. um, what's in your wallet? Um, right track. 
Uh, what's in your wallet? Uh, Capital One? Yeah. Yes. Good to the last drop. Folgers. Close. Um, Maxwell House. Yep. yep. Obey your thirst. Sprite. Yep. yep. Breakfast of Champions. Oh! All right. <laughs> All right, so we've got a tiebreaker between Megan and Shanice. The winner will go on to face Hannah in our championship round. Mango, why don't you uh, hit you us? You guys ready? I think so. Three, two, one. The King of Beers. Budweiser. Oh, oh Megan. <laughs> High efficiency score. A lot. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> So it's the two redheads pitted against each other now, Megan and Hannah. The red wedding. (laughs) The red wedding. Oh, my God. All right, Hannah, you're up first. first. You know the rules. We've got a minute on the clock in our championship round with Hannah, and uh, I'll go first. I'm loving it. McDonald's. Imagination at work. Uh, Pass. Uh, Like a good neighbor. State Farm. Maybe she's born with it. Maybelline. Impossible is nothing. Pass. It's time to play. Pass. Expect more, pay less. Pass. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the go. Pass. Live moss. Taco Bell. Never stop exploring. Pass. What's in your wallet? Discover. What's in your wallet? We're on the right track. Capital One? Yep. Good to the last drop. Folders? Ooh, that was good. That was a good round. All right, Megan. We've got a championship. Need to beat five. What's the actual prize for this? I just wanted bragging rights. Eternal bragging rights. That's enough for me. We'll make you you a crown. (laughs) Oh, good. All right, minute on the clock. Are we going first? Shave time, shave money. Gillette? Mm -mm. If it's a men's razor brand, then I'm not going to guess it. What are the other ones? I don't know anything besides Gillette. Pass. <laughs> there's some things money can't buy. For everything else, there's uh, MasterCard. Yep, yep. Melts in your mouth, not in your hands. M&M's. A diamond is forever. Is it... It's not K-Jewelers. That's no. not. Pass. Tastes so good, cats ask for it by name. Meow Mix. Yep. You can, can you hear me now? Verizon. Just do it. Nike. Think. Pass. <laughs> think different. It's think different. Lee would be grammatically correct, right? Pass. <laughs> because you're worth it. L'Oreal. And Got you won. It. Yeah. That's six. Wow. wow. Just under the buzzer. Congratulations. Congratulations. Woo. Champion. Champion. Woo. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Okay, that was awesome. Heart's racing. Hey, guys. Thanks. I just want to thank all right thanks for listening to talk west please subscribe to us on itunes google play or wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to rate and review us to find out more about one of the fastest growing agencies in north carolina go to walkwest.com